0: It's Monday, May 30th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. After a tragedy like the one in Uvalde, the conversation on guns ratchets up, and people demand action. Unfortunately, not much ever gets accomplished. This time, a small group of bipartisan senators are trying to find common ground wherever they can, most likely on federal red flag laws, which would keep guns out of the hands of people who could be a danger to others. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News, joins us for why you shouldn't get your hopes up, a new CBO report that says high inflation will be around into next year, and some more takeaways from primary contests around the country as we make our way to the midterms. Next, we'll tell you about the e-pimps of OnlyFans. Most people think that when you go onto the site and subscribe to a content creator, you're actually dealing with that person directly. While that might be true in a lot of cases, some accounts are being managed by marketing agencies who handle every aspect of running an account, everything from marketing on social media, writing their daily posts, and chatting with subscribers and selling personalized content. The chatters in particular are sometimes outsourced from places like the Philippines. Ezra Marcus, contributor to the New York Times, joins us for what to know. It's News Without the Noise. Let's dive in. I think that raising the age of gun purchase to 21 is a no-brainer. If you look
2: at Uh, The Parkland shooting, you look at Buffalo, you look at this shooting, these are people under the age of 21.
0: Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's talk about the conversation that's going on after we saw another mass shooting. This one was obviously very tragic. They all are. But this one, we lost 19 kids and two teachers. They were all in one classroom when the gunman locked himself in there and just kind of just Shooting everyone. You know, we had the other shooting that happened in Buffalo as well. That was a more of a, a racist directed attack. But what happens after any uh, one of these things occurs, there's always the conversation about gun control, expanded background checks, red flag laws, whatever we can do to help with the situation. And again, the conversation has been reignited. There's still not much hope that anything will do. Right now, the Senate is. Uh, trying to talk about it. There's a bipartisan group that's getting together to discuss it. They're looking at red flag laws mostly, it seems like, where there's common ground.
2: I wouldn't hold your breath waiting for any type of comprehensive or substantial change to America's gun laws to pass Congress. Right now, we see that the two parties are just way too far apart. But as you said, there has been some signs that there could be some bipartisan agreement in the Senate, which is obviously the place where it'd be the hardest to pass a bill over red flag laws, these laws that would allow you to sort of flag someone as being dangerous or at high risk of being dangerous to keep them from buying guns. The shooter in Texas bought these guns on his 18th birthday. The shooter in Buffalo had a history of making threats, of being deemed you know, a potential risk, and was still able to legally purchase a firearm. So there does seem to be some agreement, although again, it's really difficult for Congress to get anything related to guns passed. And this would unfortunately be another one of those situations where I think Even though we see the public really on board with some type of measure, polling that came out at the end of the week after that shooting, majorities supporting some type of change, very unlikely that that would be reflected in Congress.
0: Yeah, there's a bipartisan group working on this right now. Senator Richard Blumenthal and Chris Murphy, I think uh, Senator Lindsey Graham might be involved in some of this. They're asking Chuck Schumer for... 10 days to see what kind of discussions they can have, what kind of compromises they might be able to make to go on that. I know expanded background checks is also something that's in the conversation. A majority of Americans support expanded background checks. But to your point, right, there's just really no political will to do this. There's uh, some Republicans even who said, hey, we've done this in our state and we've seen things work out and these red flag laws do work, but it's just not going to happen On the federal level. And, you know, a lot of people point to the NRA, the gun lobbies, all this stuff. There just really isn't a political will to do anything. And that's the unfortunate part. You know, that's there's outrage that always happens after these shootings. Why does it happen? But there's never any action. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing.
2: That's right. You know, I saw Senator Rick Scott told a radio colleague on Thursday that he didn't support any federal changes, but he pointed to a law he signed as governor of Florida that raised the age to buy a gun there to 21. And so that has been the response from a lot of Republicans. They just don't think a federal law is right. They think states should be passing their own bills, their own laws, and that it should be done on a state level. And so I think that's a theme we're also going to hear. But as you said, background checks are a federal process. It's done at a federal level, not at a state level. And so if they want expanded background checks, that is something that would be sort of the domain of the federal government and of Congress.
0: As you mentioned, don't hold your breath on any action. We'll see if anything comes of it, though. Let's talk about high inflation. That's something, Ginger, you and I have talked about for many many weeks in a row. There was a new CBO report that came out last week that basically said, get ready for this for at least the rest of the year. There will be some signs of easing, but the prices are going to remain uncomfortably high, especially when it comes to to energy and fuel.
2: That's right. Gas prices are not projected to really come down. There's a lot of speculation about what that's going to mean for summer travel. A survey came out also this past week that found families deciding whether or not to take vacations this summer. It's less about COVID and more about gas prices. So we're seeing these costs continue to affect consumers and their buying decisions. And we're looking at it for the long run. And I think that one of the complicated factors is really that to get inflation to stop, you really need a recession and no one wants that either. So we're watching the Fed and our those who have their hands on the economic levers try to balance how to get this to slow down without sending the country into a recession.
0: And I was just going to add on to that and say, yeah, whenever, anytime you say inflation is going to continue, there's fears of a recession. But economists still think we're going to be growing in this year. So we'll continue to see what happens there as well i wanted to uh, touch briefly on you know some of the primaries that have been developing over the course of the season so far leading into the midterms this past week president trump you know lost pretty big with some of him to his endorsements part of the problem is he's endorsing all over the place <laughs> so he has a better track record than losing but uh, losing pretty big in georgia where he was especially contentious with the leaders there because of what happened in the last election
2: that's right. You know, when our reporters talk to those who are in Trump's orbit, they've long said he endorsed so many people. They knew he was going to lose some. They just want him to have a winning average. But the losses for him in Georgia are pretty substantial. Uh, you look at Governor Kemp, who was able to secure the nomination over former Senator Perdue, who had Trump's backing. And this is really the core of Trump's attempt to continue to litigate the 2020 election, contending that it had been stolen the Secretary of State there, Brad Raffensperger, also being nominated again, despite Trump opposition. And really, this speaks to what voters think about Trump's continued grievances with the 2020 election and the lies about the election being stolen. They're not buying it, or at least the voters in the state of Georgia, where he made that the focal point, said they'd rather Governor Kemp, who Trump contended, aided and abetted in his so-called election (laughs) theft.
0: Uh, Such a weird relationship between all of them, because they were all supporters of President trump but then the election thing happened and he kept pressing them they said no this is not the case and it really destroyed everything now they became complete enemies right i mean it's just so weird how things progress that way but you know as you mentioned uh, the president former president trump wanting to install loyalists in these positions in case he does run again so an uh, interesting look at how that's been developing jinder gibson deputy washington digital editor at NBC news thank you very much for joining us
2: thanks for having me
3: these companies will have however many employees in, into the dozens and they'll represent however many pages it could be dozens if not more and often the creators whose images are and personalities are represented on those pages ostensibly don't look at them at all and, and it's all basically being done by hired workers joining us now is ezra marcus contributor
0: to the new york times thanks for joining us ezra
3: Thanks for
0: having me. All right. Well, let's talk about a very interesting article you wrote. You know, right away you start thinking... Is nothing real on the internet anymore? And I think you could just flatly say no, obviously. But this is, uh, I want to start off with the headline too, the e-pimps of OnlyFans. So this is a look into how OnlyFans as a business really works for a lot of content creators. Not everybody, you know, there are a lot of people that do manage a lot of their own stuff. But this is kind of a a business that has sprung off where content creators will contract with a uh, marketing company to basically run their account. And, you know, we know what OnlyFans is, a lot of explicit pictures and videos, things like that, but it's a way for subscribers to connect with the content creators that they like. But this is kind of a whole other business world that has stemmed from that. So, Ezra, tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. It's it's like, traditionally, I think the way that OnlyFans itself sort of presents the way that people use its service is that you can pay or have a free subscription to a content creator and that comes with some degree of access to them through messages, maybe if it's an erotic content creator, maybe you're paying for nude images or videos, the kind of things people want. And I think one of the things that has made it so successful is that you can, you're not just paying the subscription fee, you, you can also pay above and beyond for, you know, custom content, whether that's, you know, having a private conversation with somebody, whether that's them sending you videos that you request, things like that. There's this degree of intimacy that I think goes a step beyond what traditionally people would be able to achieve with somebody making porn or even, you know, anybody they might have an interest in. It's basically taking the kind of fan relationship a step further with a financial kind of element to it. And, what these companies that i was reporting on have done is they've sort of industrialized that process almost yeah. to where they they've hired workers around the world many of them are overseas working for anywhere between 3 and 10 dollars an hour in the philippines or other places in the world east eastern europe as well but they're they're basically handling the kind of customer interactions with something like this, that means actually sort of pretending to be these these models and communicating with the subscribers as if they are the models because these subscribers are, are seeking that kind of intimate relationship. Yeah. So these companies will have however many employees in, into the dozens and they'll represent however many pages. It could be dozens, if not more. And often the creators whose images are and personalities are represented on those pages, ostensibly don't look at them at all. And and it's all basically being done by hired workers.
0: I mean, so interesting, right? So the OnlyFans platform, uh, you know, a lot of people really started hearing a lot about it through the pandemic, right? And a lot of people turning to the platform to make some money when there was no jobs, when there was closures and things like that. So, you know, some people were starting to make money, hear about people making money, a lot more people get interested in all that. But to really make the big, big bucks, right? You got to scale up the business you need more subscribers and that takes a lot of time to interact with them and as you mentioned right giving them that custom content that really brings in the dollars for the creators so enter these agencies right that that work with them and you spend a lot of time with a guy named Jason in Miami, who owns uh, one of these uh, marketing agencies called Think Expansion. And he is big on the OnlyFans thing, manages a number of them, maybe uh, more than 30 women. And he's a full service agency. Tell us how it works, uh, you know, how he approaches the women to work on their behalf and and his whole business model.
3: So, you know, while I was hanging out with him, he, he, he showed me kind of a day in the life. And that included, he was basically just kind of, cold messaging lots of women on, on social media asking if they wanted to work with him and, and, and make money. And if someone were to say yes, what he does is take their page, or or they may not have a page at all. Perhaps they don't have an OnlyFans page and they're just, you know, somebody he found otherwise. Or maybe they do have an OnlyFans page and they want to make more money. Or it's, it's, they want more subscribers. They want to make more money from their subscribers. And basically he will work both on the kind of external promotion side, where he'll help them find new subscribers by pushing their page on social media, by arranging promotions with other creators, sort of the external marketing side. But what what he also does, and what's really interesting, is he's running everything internally on the pages as well. So he has a number of people working for him who are responding to incoming messages from subscribers and talking to them, and he showed me like he logged into some OnlyFans pages in in front of me and showed me how there were people who were logged on. Were, they're they're called chatters, is the term for the people that handle all the chats with the subscribers. And his his chatters were actively talking to the people that were that wanted to talk to these models. And he you know he 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 showed me the different ways that he'll kind of have them write messages. Like he'll sort of change the syntax of how they might. How his chatters might text with one of the subscribers depending on how old the model is or what sort of character they're sort of trying to play you know it's it's a really complicated business in a way because you have to there's
0: yeah there's it, a there's a lot of thought that goes behind it and it, yeah you know, people can obviously read your article for a lot more detail on this which is fascinating but like i said yeah there's so much thought that he goes behind it you know this uh client is an older woman she's going to speak differently than this uh, younger woman would and he does tailor all those messages and advises his ghostwriters, his chatters to do the same thing. And it's just a, a, a interesting look on the whole thing and obviously, you know, a lot of the clientele is lonely, horny men, right? So some of these uh, conversations are just so easy to navigate, but the thing is the upsell, right? You know, you buy this video for 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, and that's really where people start making money. And as you mentioned in the article too, right? It's a full service thing. He'll ask the models, the creators, "Give me a ton of nude videos and pictures. And with this bank of content, I can start getting the account going. I can start uh, running the business, so to speak, of all of that. Tell me a little bit more about the chatters, because this is very interesting. The key is you know, just a, a very simple understanding of English. You know, They're not talking to anybody. This is all done over text and chats. A lot of them come from the Philippines.
3: Yeah. I mean, they're they're all over the world, but the Philippines is a really big kind of center for the kind of offshore, like data entry, call center jobs, virtual assistant jobs, like anything to do with kind of working for Western companies where they want to find labor that's English speaking labor that's cheaper than what's available. In America, for example, a lot of companies will hire people in the Philippines. So there's, there's already this like You know, a lot of people there speak English. People are very educated, but they're also willing to work for a lot less money than uh, people will work for here. So, yeah, I I spoke with a young man in the Philippines, Andre, who, you know, he used to work for T-Mobile at a call center and he didn't like that. So then he got a job as an OnlyFans chatter and he basically spends four hours a day working for uh, an agency that's based in Barcelona and he manages... The page for one model and talks to her subscribers. And this is sort of being done on sort of freelance hiring websites where companies will advertise that they're looking for chatters, chatters will advertise their services. It's all right yeah. right out in the open.
0: And they even have full pages and pages of kind of scripts and how to follow a script that you were able to see from another company, which is also super interesting. we got to talk about the money and all of this because obviously that is the motivation for everything. Everybody gets a cut. The uh, chatters get a small percentage of something. The majority is split between the marketing agency and the content creator. And then even the platform, obviously. Obviously, OnlyFans also takes a big cut of everything that's going on.
3: It can be quite lucrative because typically the subscriptions to an OnlyFans page, you know, they're usually not so expensive, maybe something like 10 $20 a month, but then what... The amount that they'll charge subscribers to to get custom content can be far beyond that. It could be up to you know fifty dollars or more for one video. And some of the people I was talking to were saying that certain customers will you know they'll spend two hundred dollars or more in one kind of session, right? Like in just a you know a few minutes, maybe maybe an hour. And you multiply that by the thousands or even tens of thousands of subscribers that some of these pages have and you can you can start making some pretty serious money. And then once, you know, you're a company that manages multiple pages, then, I mean, it, you know, I was talking to one company. It's run by a 19 and a 20-year-old. They're from Germany and they are claimed to be making more than $150,000 a month from running 12 pages. Yeah. And it's like, that's just what happens when you start doing things at scale but that's, in order to do things at scale you need to kind of have a whole system in place. you right. can't just be an individual
0: and that's where everybody starts thinking man I'm in the wrong business last question yeah, I have,
3: exactly.
0: last question I have very briefly the legality of all of this you know by every I know you know OnlyFans has its own uh, pages that you, that you got to sign and everything like that uh, apparently this is not really as fraudulent as you might think you know it's totally in the purview of these content creators to hire people to help manage the pages.
3: Yeah. it's Well, it's, it's, it's within, as far as I could tell, it's, it's within the purview of OnlyFans in terms of service. In terms of like the law, that's a bit more of a gray area. I mean, I think arguments can be made both ways. I spoke with a law professor who, who said that there somebody could make the case that they're being defrauded here because, you know, they're being convinced to part with their money under pretty obviously false you know, they're being deceived and they're spending money based on that deception, which is essentially the textbook definition of fraud. At the same time, you know, it's not so cut and dry because it's like, should anybody be expected to believe that the person they're talking to on the internet is really who they say they are? Not at anymore, this point? no. Not anymore. Not anymore. Right. So Yeah, it's yeah.
0: such an interesting look at the behind the scenes of all of this. The e-pimps of OnlyFans, I suggest everybody go read Ezra's piece because there's a lot of details in here and uh, this Jason character who runs one of these things is, is also a crack up. Ezra Marcus, contributor to the New York Times, thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.